1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from REMAX Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. All right, we begin today with the sales numbers, the first ones for 2023. How's it looking? That's looking uh, pretty bleak, but we were expecting that uh, with just over 3,000 sales for the month of January, 3,100 sales compared to 5,594 last year. That's down 44.6%. But what you have to remember, there's a couple of things here. We were comparing January to one of the hottest Januaries on record. Mm. And it's going to be the same thing for February. So February is not going to be any different. We're going to be comparing February stats to one of the hottest Februarys on record. And that's what caused all of the interest rates to spike and everything. It was after the hot January and February that the BOC tried to step in and cool things down. So we were expecting January to be low. Uh, what The other thing that complicated it was the kids didn't go back to school until January 9th or 10th. So we lost. Usually it takes about two weeks after the kids get back into school after any type of break for the market to adjust and get back on track. So with the kids going back on the 9th or 10th, if you add two weeks for that, the month was pretty much over. So we didn't have a lot of activity. People weren't in shopping for houses mode until around the 25th or so. And that's when sales really picked up. The last week of January was really hot. And that's continued through the start of February. So what can you tell specifically about the number of sales? The number of sales was down uh, significantly. But if you think, you know, we only had a half a month of sales uh, it, because last year we started back on January the 3rd. Uh, this year we didn't start back until the 9th or the 10th. So we did lose uh, at least a week uh, of sales activity there. And, you know, if you even add 50% of that back, we're going to have about 4,600 sales or so. And that's a little closer to the 5,600 that we had last year. So it wasn't as bad as it sounds. I think February will pick up some of that slack. The concerning thing is we still don't have inventory. Mm. And so for January, you saw 3,100 sales. That's down 44.6%. It is. And also new listings. If you look at new listings, we're still down about 4% on new listings. Uh, we had a lot of active listings compared to last year. So here's the thing. Even though active listings were up huge, they were up over 100% compared to last year. What we saw, especially in York Region, was we still don't even have three months of inventory. What we're comparing it to is last year where we had less than one month of inventory, and that was pretty much nothing. So if we have less than three months of inventory, that means if nothing else comes on the market, in about two and a half months, we're going to have nothing left to sell. And a normal market is four to six months. So we still need supply. And, you know, when we say, when we said last year was at a critical level, uh, it really was. But it's still at a, a pretty critical level because we still don't even have three months of inventory. And that's what's causing the multiple offers and the bidding wars that mm. we're hearing about over the last week or so because there's not a lot of inventory. Okay, wait, we're going to go back to those multiple offers stories. But in terms of lack of in inventory, does that apply to every area of York Region? 
It does, yeah. We are really low on inventory throughout the region, throughout the GTA, actually. And if you're looking at across North America, uh, you know, as a way uh, a couple of weeks ago, speaking to some of the other broker owners that uh, are throughout North America, and everyone has the exact same problem. There's no inventory available. But this is reflective, don't you think, of the current economic climate. People are worried about, you know, the recession that's supposed to be coming. They're worried about another possible increase in rates or not. So they're, they might just be sitting tight, do you think? Yeah, people are sitting tight, uh, but the activity is coming back now. The Mm. pent-up demand is now starting to come back, but the sellers were holding off, and that's why we didn't have a lot of inventory. One, the builders weren't building because their costs were increasing because of supply chain issues, and then people were holding off. They weren't listing their homes. And when they're not listing their homes, they're not adding to that inventory mix. And and these are the people that are going to sell their homes and move. So that's why there is a lot less activity than normal. And we're going to start to see all of these people come off the fence in the next couple of months, especially now that the BOC has said in the near future, there may not be another interest rate hike. And if it is, it might be a quarter percent. Mm -hmm. I think that brought consumer confidence back into the picture. So if we're comparing January of 23 to January of 22, it's not a great comparison. So what is a typical January market and how would you compare that to January of 23? Well, even without the comparables from 2022, this wasn't a typical January just because of the... The late start? uh, The late start and the uncertainty Mm -hmm. in the market because people didn't know what that January rate increase was going to be. We didn't have it until January 25th. So we didn't know what that rate increase would be, if it would be half a point, if it would be 0.75. Speculation was it was going to be a quarter point and that's what it ended up being. So that brought consumer confidence back in, like I said. But um, I think there was a bunch of contributors as to why we were so low on sales in January Okay, and you spoke about, you said, bidding wars in some situations that you're already seeing. That often piques the interest of sellers. What's the backstory? It does. So what's happened is because there's not a lot of great inventory out there, a lot of the inventory, you have to remember, if we have... 1,300 homes available for sale in York Region at the end of January. A lot of that inventory is overpriced homes because people are trying to get what their neighbors got Mm. in 2022. So those are out of the picture. No one's going to look at those. And if you think that someone's going to bring you a lowball offer, they're probably not. They don't want to waste their time. Then you have homes that aren't positioned well or they're not staged. And in a hot market, everything could sell. So you didn't have to do anything to your house. It would sell. But what started to happen over the end of 2022 and and now, especially in 2023, we're back to a normal type of market. And the houses that are staged, the houses that are fixed up or cleaned up, those are the ones that are going to sell first. You want to position your house to be the first off the bus. So if your house is not showing as well as it could, it's not going to sell. People are just going to move on. They're not going to, especially with interest rates being high, they're not going to say, well, I could take this, get a line of credit, fix this house up, because now they're increasing their costs. They want something that's move-in ready. So when you factor in all of those, how much great inventory do we really have? Maybe a third of the homes out there are considered great inventory. And that's why we're starting to see bidding wars and multiple offers. We're starting to see offer dates come back as well. So people were not holding off offers, but now they're holding off offers for six or seven days. And we're starting to see 
bidding wars come back, but we're not having that crazy two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars over asking that we were getting in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. What we're seeing is uh, controlled optimism. I, I said we we could call it, <laughs> and you're starting to see people pay thirty or forty thousand higher, but they're very careful because the house still has to appraise. So, how are you navigating those situations where you've got multiple offers or a bidding war and managing? expectations on both sides. How are you doing that? It's just being completely open and honest with the buyers and sellers to say, you know, your house doesn't show well, you're not going to get this much, or this is what you need to change in your property to make it attractive for the mainstream. We all decorate our homes for how we want them, but we have to consider what other people are looking at. So, you know, you may have a three-bedroom suite in the basement that someone who's buying your house may just want an entertainment area and they want it fixed up so their kids can enjoy it or they can have a a theater down there. So it really depends on what you're doing. You have to keep it as uh, mainstream as possible. Neutral. Neutral colors Mm. and also making sure that it's clean, decluttered, and people can walk around and get around the house without thinking that uh, there's not enough space. Now, you suggested earlier in our conversation that February is likely going to be much like January. Yeah, and what we're going to see is because February was heated last year, and you know that's when we were getting these three, dollars $400,000 over asking on houses. Everything was selling, so we didn't have any inventory left. And we're going to be comparing this February to last February. Although it will be a little bit better, I think we'll still be about 30 30 to 35% short on sales, but price will start to climb up again just because of the multiple offers. If you're a buyer, the window for you for getting a deal on a property is closing really fast. So make sure you're pre-approved. Make sure you have a a short list that you want to get out and see, and, and that you should be really active right now in order to try and scoop a deal before everyone gets back in the market and now you're faced with bidding wars on every house. After the break, tenacious home buyers are ready to hold steady. The details in the Remax Housing Barometer Report. That's next. This is On the Market on 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him 416 985 Khan. That's 416 985 5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan, from Remax Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif. Thanks, Tina. Joining us is the president of Remax Canada, Christopher Alexander. Christopher, welcome back to On the Market. Oh, good to be here. Thanks for having me again. Great report out from Remax Canada, the Canadian housing barometer. The headline read, Can Canada real estate homeowners position to ride out storm Christopher, can you tell us a little bit about the barometer and the findings? Well, really, we looked at data over a 10-year period on the loan-to-value ratio that Canadians have in their homes over 13 market, 13 of our major markets. And what we found was those numbers are very strong, meaning Canadians have a tremendous amount of equity in their homes, their loans, uh, generally speaking, aren't as astronomical as people might think considering the sky-high prices in uh, our two biggest cities. 
and that even despite rising interest rates and the market change that we've witnessed over the last nine, 10 months, you know, if, if people are forced to sell, they would still be in a good position financially, generally speaking, uh, because of the amount of equity they have in their home and which is, allows them some freedom and flexibility should they have to sell in the current rising interest rate environment. And Christopher, can you tell us what are the factors do you think that impacted the results of this report? Well, the three main ones were, again, rising prices that, you know, over 10 years, home prices have more um, more than doubled in most cases. Um, The work from home phenomenon that we've seen even before the pandemic that was becoming a bit of a trend. Uh, people moving to markets that were more affordable and allow, and because of remote work, they were able to keep their jobs. And also the generational wealth transition that has been occurring for the last half a decade. And, you know, wealthy baby boomers are being very generous with their children, uh, helping them out to, you know, make down payments. And that has played a significant role as well. And Christopher, when we're looking at the reports that are out there and hearing that Q1 or Q2 of this year would see a lot of inventory hit the market because people would be forced to sell, is this something that is not allowing that to happen or not forcing that to happen? Because people do have a lot of equity in their homes. Well, this we've been hearing this for quite some time, Asif, I mean, ever since rates started to increase back at the end of March last year, that's what the the forecast has been, is that it's going to be absolute carnage out there. That still hasn't materialized. I think from, if I was to make a prediction, there's definitely a segment of the market that has overextended themselves. Um, however, most people were counseled to lock in at their interest rate And so the people that are going to be affected are the ones that didn't and overextended themselves. And the report also shows that mortgage defaults are at an all-time low. Uh, I can't remember which major bank uh, said that they're going to see 10 to 20% of their loans start to default in the next 9, 10 months. Uh, That was kind of contrary to what we saw uh, from our research. But what I think is really critical to point out, historically speaking, the house is the last thing people want to sell. Uh, They will go to great lengths to stay current with their mortgage payments and, you know, they'll sell other assets before disrupting their, their family life and their dwelling. So, you know, I hope that it doesn't materialize the way that many banks have predicted, but, um, even if that does happen, I, I think you're going to see market activity because of the equity that's built up. And so, you know, if you're renew, if you bought your house five years ago and you're renewing now, when five years ago your rate was two and a quarter percent or two and a half, and today it's at 5.75, you may choose to sell, but that doesn't mean you're going to be in a foreclosure uh, situation. So the context is really critical here. 
You also mentioned defaulting on your mortgage. Wasn't the stress test supposed to prevent or preclude that scenario? I'm glad you brought that up, Tina. Um, Yes, and it's worked. And Asif, I know you will agree it's been a very maligned policy for us in the real estate industry, but it's done its job. And, you know, to quote my, uh, you know, dear colleague in Western Canada, Alton Nash, Canadians uh, are being, have been very Canadian through this, you know, cycle. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're, we're very conservative, traditionally speaking. And where I get a little out of sorts is when people are so quick to compare us to the United States. They talk about the financial crisis of 2008, where this is clearly a different uh, situation that, that we're in in Canada. I mean, that, that crisis was driven by housing and a subprime crisis where, you know, they were giving away loans to people that should have never qualified. Uh, whereas in Canada, it's been the exact opposite for the last five years where we are forcing people to qualify for rates much greater than what they actually obtain to give us a little bit of an insurance policy on, uh, you know, potential defaults down the road. Thank you, Christopher. Population growth was identified as the main catalyst of driving housing activity over a 10-year period, and we're starting to see that again with the immigration opening up. How do you see that playing out over the next two or three quarters? Well, my deepest concern, also more than the potential defaults, is the, the amount of pent-up demand we have, plus new Canadians, you know, you know becoming you know, full Canadians, you know, yeah. every single month after month, that's going to continue to put pressure on, on upward pressure on prices. I mean, I'm sure you're seeing it and hearing of all the multiple offers that are happening right now. It's a very bizarre environment because you've got a lot of reluctant buyers and, and, and a lot of reluctant sellers right now. But there is such that the inventory levels are the lowest they've been uh, in decades and the lowest they've been since April of 2020, which is when the market pretty much stopped. And so it's, as soon as, you know, the stability factor kicks in, now that the Bank of Canada said that they are holding on any further rate increases for the foreseeable future, that's going to give buyers some peace of mind. And I'm just concerned that it's going to scoop up what the little inventory that's there and really push prices up again. Both you and Asif talk about equity in our homes. What exactly does that mean, and how do homeowners use this to their advantage? So I think the easiest way to explain equity is it it goes back to that loan-to-value ratio. And so if you buy a home for, I'll use round numbers, let's say you bought a home for a million dollars, Six years ago, you put $200,000 down and you, during that time period, the, the property went up by a couple hundred thousand. So now your, your raw equity without your mortgage payments is 400000 because that's the total amount of value you gained uh, that's not debt. And so, um, plus you're paying down your mortgage every month. So your equity in that property 
might be 50% uh, to, to the amount of loan. And so, awesome. Stop me if I'm rambling here, but uh, um, that, that's really what, what we're talking about when we say loan to value or equity. It's the amount of, uh, it's the amount you actually own in the home versus what is on loan. And what's available to you? It's like hidden money. And and Christopher, you in the article you said you call these homeowners savvy homeowners, and that they're looking out for how much equity they have, reducing the footprint of the house, adding multi generational homes. How much of this plays a role in Canadians being conservative and and being cognizant of what they're owing on the home and and how much they're going to take out in terms of equity in the future? Well. It's fascinating because there's, you know, once, and speaking for Vancouver and Toronto, because there are two most expensive markets, there was a shift about seven, eight years ago where people stopped, generally speaking, they stopped looking at the overall amount of the loan and started to think of it as how much does it cost me every month. That was always concerning a little bit, but it's, when you couple that with all the guardrails you have in place, the stress test um, and other other factors of of just people needing to hold on to their homes, whether it's their family home or or what have you, it's forced people to be responsible. I mean, the the other thing that's come out a lot since this report has been released is, well, what about HELOCs? Uh, you know, home equity uh, lines of credit. Yes, Canadians. There's a lot of people that tapped into those to make purchases. Um, but there was also a period for about two years where Canadians were saving a lot of money because, you know, they couldn't go on vacation. They couldn't go out to restaurants. They couldn't do the entertainment uh, that they were used to doing. And so that seems to have been thrown out the window as well. And it's been this kind of aligning of the stars to put homeowners in a really strong position in the event that the mortgage payment becomes too much uh, because of higher interest rates and they consider a sale, they'll still be left with a good chunk of money that they can use to then buy another property if they choose or, um, you know, make other, other life decisions that uh, aren't going to be a financial disaster that so many have tried, uh, so many have tried to, to paint as a picture. That's true. And, and when we're looking at the reports and the banks and the economists saying how overexpanded Canadians are, it's really refreshing. And, and I'm sure many Canadians have breathed a sigh of relief after reading the report that Remax put out, the barometer. If people want to read it, if they haven't read it yet, where can they find that, Christopher? Blog.remax.ca. Blog.remax.ca. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, again, thank you for putting that report out and bringing some calm to the market. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Thanks for reading it. When we come back, your questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for your questions for Asif Khan. And we begin with Deanna in Thornhill. She expects an increase in her mortgage payments by the fall. 
She is worried about losing her home and wants to know what she can do right now to prepare for the increase in payments. Asif, what advice do you have for her? This is a tough one. It is, and the best thing that Dina can do is t- contact her bank or mortgage professional and have them take a look at uh, all of her her credit, her income, and, and see what she qualifies for right now. And they may be able to lock her into a rate that's available now, a fixed rate, or, or even if she wanted to go with a, a shorter term, she might get a better variable rate. So if she can contact her bank or financial institution right now, that way, get started on it early, and that way you're ready for what the payments could be and what options you could have. This must be a common concern for so many right now. It is, especially the people that bought in the last two or three years, because if their mortgage is coming up in the next year, or even people that bought five years ago and they're up against a rate increase right now, they could have had a rate of 2.5% or 3%, and now they're looking at rates of about 45 or 5%. So the best thing to do, a lot of banks are offering conversions to fixed rates. But you have to be careful because when the banks do offer that, that means they're expecting the rate to drop. So the best thing that you can do is contact your mortgage professional if you have a mortgage broker that can shop that rate around and be ready for the fall when your uh, rate comes up for renewal. Our next question comes from Lena in Markham. She rents a unit for her small business, but is concerned the landlord has a rate increase planned. She wants to know how to find an agent to help find the right commercial property for her specific business needs. The first thing you have to do is, and we have commercial agents in our office that can help you, but we need to know what type of business you're in. Uh, We need to find areas that are zoned for that type of business. And even if it's in a plaza, it could be uh, as simple as how many parking spots do you need? Because even though that use may be uh, available in that plaza, if there's a, a bunch of other uses that take up too much parking, then you won't get approved by the city for your permit. So we need to make sure that the place that we're looking at is approved to have that or house that business. And then we need to find out what the going rate is. And depending on what you're at right now, the landlord may just be increasing it to market level, which a lot of them do. Uh, Commercial rates always go up. So the landlords are going to go up. There's going to be escalations, maybe a dollar, two dollars, three dollars per square foot, or to bring it up to par, because when it was leased out, it may have been a quiet time in commercial. So if it's uh, a lot of demand right now, they're going to want to go to market rate. And uh, it depends on what use they want in their plaza as well. So they may just be switching things around to have different uses in their plaza to uh, facilitate what the, the market is wanting in that area. But lots of different options, lots of ways to work around it. Uh, we just have to get the right agent to work with you on that and find you the right place. Now, you've seen a shortage of residential rental properties. I'm assuming the same doesn't apply to the commercial properties? It actually does, and it was surprising because we thought after COVID there would be so much available in industrial and commercial spaces, but that didn't happen. There's uh, uh, With everyone returning to in-person work right now, uh, it has been very active in the oh. commercial area, and so there's not as much good inventory in commercial or retail space as you would think. And are there specialized agents to find that specialized commercial property that Lena is looking for? Yeah, there is. Any agent can do it. However, it's uh, it's like going to a, a doctor, and, and if you have a problem with your foot, you want a specialist that's going to look after that. So not every agent can look after that. You want someone that's experienced and that can navigate through all of the different areas that you need to look at in order to find that property and to get a good deal on it. 
In other parts of the country, we've heard stories about how they are converting um, business or commercial properties into residential units. Yes, it takes some development, but it does happen. Have you noticed that here in the GTA in York region? Yeah, we have. And that's what's causing a lot of the shortages in inventory for good commercial space or good industrial space because you do have, especially in the city core, where you have a lot of older commercial buildings that are being transformed into condominiums and, and that's taken away a lot of uh, space, office space and, and industrial space away from that segment of the market. So there is, is, there is a shortage of inventory and we need to find the right space and the right price. And do developers have to start from scratch? Are they knocking down the units altogether, or the buildings rather? Or are they able to sort of retrofit it so it becomes um, a residential unit? Well, if you look at the Don Mills and Eglinton area, you have a lot of buildings there that they're just getting the inside. So they're, they're keeping the outer structure. They may be adding to it, but they're keeping the outer structure and then just redeveloping everything inside. So they're getting the entire inside and retrofitting it with condo spaces. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.